I'm very excited to be able to share with you. For those who don't know me, I'm Pastor Jasmine. I'm our assistant pastor here, and I'm filling in while Pastor Ron is on holidays. He'll be back next week. He's had a wonderful time off, and he's, um, he's looking forward to being able to be with his church family again. And so today, I'm really excited to start this new series called The Pursuit of Holiness. And I'll get to that in a moment. But have you ever asked the question or wanted more on this topic of being in the world and not of it? I know when I was a teenager in youth group, I remember thinking, okay, how do I, and I heard that phrase, how do you be in the world and not of of the world? Be in the world, not of the world. And I remember being a teenager and thinking, how am I meant to like be in high school and then follow Jesus and not get caught up in just the drama or the mess or whatever in high school? And then that question kind of never went away through young adulthood and then to adulthood. And I'm sure that it, I know that it's still there today. How do we be in this world and not of it? How do we shine the light of Jesus in this world that is so dark and not let that darkness taint the light? How am I meant to pursue Jesus when the world around me is so chaotic that sometimes it just feels easier to give in. This battle is hard, but it's not impossible. And we've been singing about that this morning. And the answer can be found in something as simple as pursuing holiness, the pursuit of holiness. Now, I know having said holiness just now, some people might be thinking, okay, I'm gonna just check out or I'm going to go to sleep because holiness is a word that might seem uncomfortable. And so we're going to be talking about holiness over the next few weeks. And I'm going to be real with you. When I gave my heart to Jesus and heard this word holiness, I remember kind of cringing at it because I was like, oh, holiness, like be holy. And in my mind, it made complete sense for God to be holy because he is God. He is holy. There is no one and nothing like God. But for me as a person, I was thinking of holiness as this, I I struggled to see how I, this teenager in high school, and then now this young adult, could be holy. When I thought of holiness, I would picture, I guess, a certain kind of person. I'd picture maybe somebody like a priest and they were all dressed up differently, or maybe it was this person that was like so holy that you couldn't really talk to them because they were so, so holy and different. And I felt like they would judge me if I would talk to them. And I thought that that was what holiness was. But I've come to realize that that's that's not what holiness is. Holiness is pursuing Jesus. Holiness is not living a life that is boring, a life that is filled with rules, but it's a life where we are truly free, pursuing the life and living in the light that Jesus has created us to live. And so I've grown a lot since I first came to know Jesus. And I also come to know that holiness is not so much about what you do, 
but it's about who you are and whose you are. And so Pastor Ron has this saying he says all the time, which you'll already know it, it's not what you do that determines who you are, it's who you are that determines what you do. And so when we start to understand more about who we are and whose we are, then holiness is something that we are able to attain. We are able to be holy as as Jesus calls us to be holy, to imitate him as he calls us to. Pursuing holiness means that I am doing my best to live that life set apart for Jesus. It means that there are going to be things that I stop doing or that I start doing, but it's not with an attitude of, I have to do this because I'm being holy. That's not the right attitude. It's the attitude of, I want to be like Jesus. I get to worship him. I get to pray and read his word. I get to serve him by serving the people around me. And what a gift and a joy that is. In our Young Adults Bible study, we've actually been going through the book of Ephesians and we just finished it last week. And this letter is so precious, it really clearly states who we are in Christ and what he has done for us. It really spells out how to be holy. And so we are actually going to read a lot of the Bible, well, not a lot of the Bible, a lot of Ephesians today. Um, So we're gonna be reading all of Ephesians chapter four and start the start of Ephesians chapter five. And in your sermon notes, I've basically just printed out the scripture reference that we're reading today. And I really want to encourage you to mark it, underline it, circle it. That is your piece of, well, sermon notes that um, you can scribble all over, write notes on. um, And just my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would show us what he wants us to see in his word. Um, So that's why there is a whole heap of scripture printed and you've got two pieces of paper for notes today. So as we read this part of the letter to the Ephesian church, the question is still, how do I live my faith in this world that is so caught up in things that are not of God? When Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus, these people, the, the community or the culture of the Ephesians was not one of God. They're, I guess, up against similar things that we are up against now with people worshiping things that were not God, with people being so immoral in their lifestyle, people just, as we read, it'll say, people just so caught up in in the darkness, things that are not of God. But the difference is we, We have so much access to the Word of God. We have so much access to things where we can learn about holiness, learn about what He's calling us to do. There are so many messages on sermons online, on YouTube, on podcasts. There are so many Christian books. We have the Word of God. I have it in iPad form. You've got it printed out. We've got it in book form. It's literally so many different ways that we can hear it. And so as we read through this, We'll keep that in mind, that we live in this time where what a privilege it is to have so much access to the Word of God. And we live in this country where right now we are so free to read it and share it. And not everybody has that opportunity. So as we read this, we'll keep that 
in mind. Um, so what we are going to do today is we're basically just reading and breaking down this passage. So I'm going to be reading through and kind of pausing at a few different verses and pointing out a few things. So it's a bif- different kind of style today. Um, and I, my prayer is that over this week, you'll be able to take that and read it through again and just ask God to speak to you through his word. Open up your Bible and have the notes beside it and just see what he is revealing to you through it. I'm not going to have time to go verse by verse because we're reading chapter 4 to 5, verse 20. So there's a fair few verses in that. Um, But we'll break up what we can. And so as we read, um, I pray that he would open up our hearts to see the calling he's placed on us and that we can be encouraged. So starting in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, starting with just verse 1. Paul writes, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling for you have been called by God. This one verse basically sums up everything that we're going to be talking about this morning. Lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God. What I found interesting was the original Greek word used here for calling is a word that means invitation, the invitation that God has given us in following Jesus, in knowing Jesus. And so what Paul is saying here is he's begging the church to live a life worthy of the invitation that we've accepted in following Christ Jesus. That is the calling, the calling to be in relationship with him. Imagine you've been invited to be part of a club or maybe it's a team or something in that you are usually or sometimes given a uniform and there's like an agreement or a code of conduct or statement of faith that you've agreed to, that you understand and you walk out in that and it kind of shows that you are part of that group or maybe you have a school uniform and when you're in your school uniform or your work uniform, you represent that company, that school. That's kind of what it's like having accepted the invitation Christ offers us. When we accept that invitation, we represent him. There will be a change in our hearts that flows through everything else that we do. And with that change comes the want to honour him, the want to live our lives in a way that shows his light. And so I guess the question is, do we live lives that are worthy of that invitation? If we have accepted Christ Jesus into our lives, do we live a life that shows that? Do people know that we are a follower of Christ by the way that we live? Living life, always remembering whose we are and walking with him is a life of pursuing holiness because our focus is not on ourselves, but it's on the one. It's on Jesus. And so we'll keep coming back to that verse and that thought throughout this morning. I'm going to continue with verse two and three. It says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. As we live that life worthy of the calling we've received, 
we do that in community. To be humble and gentle and patient with, with each other, allowing for each other's faults, is something that we can't really learn to do alone. And as I was preparing for this message, thinking on holiness, thinking of there's times when we need to be by ourselves to just spend that time with the Lord and allow Him to speak to us. But He's going to develop us through working with each other and being in community because I don't, we can't really learn patience by ourselves. Or maybe, maybe we can, but it's, it's better to learn patience in community. Learning how to be gentle with each other, making allowance for each other's faults, learning that grace in community. Paul continues verse 4 to 10, I think. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice it says he ascended. Well, this clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. This little chunk here is why, is the why and a bit of the how we live this life worthy of the calling we've received. We live it because of Jesus. We live it because of the one, the one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father over all things. For some context, in chapters one to three of Ephesians, Paul is writing and explaining how we are one in Christ, how God has made a way for Jews and Gentiles, Gentiles to come in and be adopted into this family that we are now children of God, that we are now one in Him. And so he's reflecting back on that unity, that oneness of the body of Christ. It's a reminder that he is the one who left his throne in heaven and came down to earth to set us free, to make a way for us to be with him, the one, forever. And when he rose, that he rose again and that he has given us special gifts that Paul writes about, continuing in verse 11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We need the church. Paul is saying that the church is God's body and it is in this body that Jesus has given different gifts and each of these gifts are used to help us grow, are used to help us come to maturity 
in our faith. He gives each of us different gifts for a reason. And I know he lists more of the gifts in Corinthians, but these are the gifts that will help us understand sound doctrine. It's so important that we're part of the church so that we can hear from others to, and hear from the teachers so that we know what the Bible says, so that we're not just reading it and thinking we know what's going on. It's really important to be part of the church to understand what the Bible is saying. It's important to be part of the church that we have people who care for us, who we know that we can go to and ask for prayer, know we can go to and know that they're going to encourage us or cry with us or pray with us or, or walk that path, that hard journey with us. We need people who will show us how to live out that faith and we can find that in the body of Christ, in his church. And so we learn from each other, we grow, we use our gifts and we become fully mature followers of Christ. And this is something that we are able to start now. Perhaps we won't be fully complete until we reach heaven, but we can be mature in following Jesus. We know that because of what it says in verse 14 and 16, he, it says, so after we've... Um, Verse 13 says, we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. 14 says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way and more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own. When we grow in understanding because of how we're growing together and learning, then we won't be tossed about by those little Things, those half-truths or those things that look like truth, but they're actually lies that people try to share with us. When those things come up, we'll be able to say no, and we'll be able to speak the truth in love and not get caught up in those lies because we will be growing like Christ because we will have been part of the body, part of hearing and learning more and understanding God's word and understanding how to follow him. We need each other. That happens in community with God's people. But it's also why it's so important to pursue holiness, to live a life that is worthy of the calling so that we will be able to stand firm in our faith. Right now in this world, there's so much stuff going on, so many lies that people are believing is truth. And it is so important that we know what the truth is, that we can stand firm and speak the truth in love. In Ephesians 4, continuing on in verse 17, it says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life that God gives them because they have closed their minds and they've hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. 
they live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. As we read through this passage, you're going to notice a few repeated words. Make sure you take note of those instead. We're called to have a worthy mind. Our minds are amazing places where all sorts of things take place. And what he's saying in verses 17 to 19 is that there are so many people who are just so confused by the darkness. They choose, they've chosen to live a life apart from God. They're not looking for the light. Or when they look for it, they're looking for it in the darkest places, but refuse to accept what the light actually is, refuse to accept what Jesus offers. But that is not what we've learned about Christ. We used to be like that. Before we knew Jesus, we used to be like that. We used to be confused. We used to have no purpose. Our purpose, we were confused because we lacked that understanding of the purpose of Christ. But now we know the truth. Now we have that hope. And so we need to throw off our old life, throw off that old nature and have nothing to do with it anymore. And this is mentioned in other places too. Hebrews 12, chapter one says, therefore... Sorry, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And then in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. We are called to put on our new nature in Christ. So instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature to be created like God, truly righteous and holy. We're called to put on that new nature. It's, you know that feeling after you've done a big day's work, maybe you've been out in the yard or cleaning or something and you're all sweaty and dirty and you just feel feel it on you and then you go and have a nice shower and you're just all clean, you feel good and refreshed and then you go back and put on the dirty clothes that you were wearing before because you know that they fit, because you know that like they're pretty, they were comfy pants so I'm going to put my dirty ones back on. You know that feeling? We don't do that. (laughs) It kind of defeats the purpose of cleaning off the dirt and the grime and whatever. You put on new clothes, and in a similar way, that's what we are called to do in putting on this new nature in Christ. He's saying, you've washed off that old sinful life. Don't have anything to do with it anymore. Don't put on that old nature. Throw it away. Get rid of it and put on your new nature created to be like Christ Jesus. Don't go back to the things of this world. 
pursue Jesus and live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Continuing on, verse 25, it says, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth for we are all parts of the same body and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for anger gives foothold to the devil. And if you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work and then give generously to others in need. So are we worthy of the calling we've received in our relationships, our work and our finances? Telling the truth, not telling lies. Having that self-control. Using our hands for good hard work and giving generously. Ephesians 4 verse 29 to 32 says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitter, rage, bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Are we worthy in our words and our actions? Are our words helpful and encouraging? I know that I want my words to be helpful and encouraging, but I can tell you that there are times when I know that they are not or when they haven't been. And so it's something that I'm constantly trying to work on. And we were talking about this in our young adults group the other night, and it's kind of common in Aussie culture to kind of just have those little put-downs that you put each other down with just as a joke because it's kind of funny. But are those words harmless or are they actually funny? Like, do we tell those kinds of jokes when the person we're telling the joke about is in the room or do we do it when they're not there? Like, are our words helpful and encouraging? And while sometimes this can be just harmless fun and everyone is laughing, even the person who the joke is aimed at, sometimes it's not. Are we mindful of the ways that we even joke or the words that we're saying? Are they helpful? Are they encouraging? Sometimes it's not even just in joking. Sometimes we just say harsh things and these words just slip out of our mouths. We don't even intend for them to come out. James talks about this in James chapter 3, verse 7 to 10. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of that same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. I know for me personally, those verses in Ephesians and James have challenged me to look again at what I am saying 
Are my words helpful and encouraging? Do our words point back to that verse one, living a life worthy of the calling and invitation we've received? But I also want to jump back to verse 30, where it says, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. That ties back to verse one. We are his adopted children. We have been purchased by his blood. He has done this for us. This is the invitation. Are we grieving the Holy Spirit in the way that we live our life? Are we living a life worthy of the invitation? Moving on to Ephesians chapter five, starting in verse one. It says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins for the anger of the Lord God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in these things people do. For once, you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light, for this light within you produces only what is good and true and right. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. But this is why it's said, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will give you light. This is why we need Jesus. Arise from the dead, come out of the darkness and into his glorious light. Carefully determine what the Lord what pleases the Lord. We need to be mindful of what we're participating in. Again, it goes back to our words. It goes back to our work, our relationships. And so because we've accepted this invitation to follow Christ, we won't wanna take part in things that grieve the Holy Spirit. We are warned here that there are gonna be people who say, no, it's okay. They're gonna try and excuse things and say that it's all right. but we are not to get caught up in those things. We are to be the ones that shine light on those things and expose it for what it is, still speaking the truth in love, but exposing those things. 
being the light and shining the light in the darkness. Finishing up now in Ephesians chapter five, verses 15 to 20. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be mindful and careful of how we're living. We don't wanna be living like people of the dark like we used to live because we have been given this new nature to put on in Christ. Again, it's not saying I have to pray or I have to do this. It's a, I get to. What a joy, what a gift, what a privilege it is to worship and to serve understanding what the Lord wants us to do. But also keeping in mind, saying while others may be getting filled with other kinds of spirits, we're called to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so when it comes to alcohol, I encourage you to be mindful of why and how it's consumed. Is it in a way that you can still live in the Holy Spirit's power, exercising self-control, having a sound mind that the Bible calls us to have. Because there is that warning there to not be drunk with wine because it will ruin our life, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. We ought to be singing praises to God with our hearts, with our voices, and to be thankful for everything. Be thankful for everything. Be thankful for the good things. Be thankful for the hard things. Be thankful for those restful times. Be thankful for those busy times. And as we live in these insteads, we'll be living a life pursuing holiness. We'll be living a life that is worthy of the invitation that we've received. And so thinking of those areas that we've kind of talked about in the instead parts this morning. Are we, are we showing that we're living a life worthy of the invitation, the calling we've received in the way that we work, in our relationships, in our words, in our finances, What I've been sharing on today, it might sound really hard or, or strict, but that it's not something that we do by ourselves. Because as even we've just sung this morning, yet not I, but through Christ in me. He is the one that makes it possible for us to get rid of the old things, the things that we aren't called to be part of anymore and walk in his power and in walk in his light. It is not us doing the work, but it is Christ in us doing the work. If it sounds like this kind of life is boring or that it's just a bunch of rules saying we need to not do certain things, I'm sorry, but you've missed the point of what I've been talking about today. 
My prayer is that the Holy Spirit would guide you as you read these words again and again, asking him to show you what areas in your life he's calling you to work on so that you can pursue holiness. Because pursuing holiness is not just a one time, like, okay, you fix that area, you're good to go. It's this continual learning and growing in the Lord. And when we do this, when we're pursuing holiness, This answers the question of how to live in this world and not be on it because we're not going to be so focused on the things around us. We're going to be focused on the one, our Lord Jesus Christ. So what kind of life do we want to live today? Are we going to live the life that we used to live and put on our old, gross, sweaty clothes? Are we going to put on our new nature created to be like Christ? And if that is something that you want to do today, maybe you recognize there are things in your life where you have been putting on that old nature again, but you don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to invite you to come and I want to pray for you. Or maybe maybe it's you haven't ever had the opportunity to put on your new nature to be like Christ Jesus. There is an opportunity for that today. Maybe you've been going through some struggles and you just need someone to pray with you. I'm gonna be down the front here to pray with anyone who needs that today. But we're gonna sing this song. Um, And I'll invite the worship team to come up. But this song is called, This Is My Desire. And it's declaring, it's like a statement saying, Lord, this is my desire to honour you. With all of my heart, I'm gonna worship you. And then the chorus says, Lord, I give you my heart and I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath I take, every moment I'm awake, have your way in me. Is that our heart's desire? Is that our prayer? My prayer is that each one of us would be able to declare that and praise Him, living our lives for Him. And so if you need prayer for anything at all in a moment, I'm gonna be down the front, um, just on the side here to pray with you. Um, But before we go into that, will you pray with me? Yeah. Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you make it possible for us to be holy because it's you working through us and in us. Our one God, one creator, one Father, Lord, we thank you that you alone are God. We thank you for your word, for the ways that you speak to us through your word, the ways you direct us in it. I pray, God, that our hearts and minds would be open to you alone, to your voice, to understand what you're calling us to do, to understand the way that you're calling us to live. Father, I pray that we would be people who live a life, who our lives are worthy of the calling we've received. Lord, I pray for the churches in Yapoon, the Christians in Yapoon, the church of Yapoon, that we would be your people, that we would shine your light in the darkness, and that we would not get caught up in our old nature and in the things that pull us away from you, but I pray that we would throw those things off, Lord. Lord, we want to confess those things to you and bring them before you. We don't need those anymore. Lord, we need you. And so I pray for those in person or online today. As we come to this song, may it be our desire to honour you. And Father, if it's not our desire right now, I pray that you would work in our hearts to bring to light the things that need to change 
so that it would be our desire to honour you with our whole heart and our whole life. And so I just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.